Hello, good afternoon, good morning, um, everyone. Uh, welcome to this episode of Trend Detection Live. Uh, this is part of a regular series we're doing around the truth about predictive maintenance. So, a bit more straight to the point chat. Um, so, and this is the second one in the series, actually. So, if you want to check out the first one, it was a really great episode, in my view. So, check that out through all your um, various po podcast providers. But today, we've once again got Nat Ford, my colleague, um, who I'm going Hello. to actually introduce, allow him to introduce himself for people who might not have listened to the first session. So let's start there. And so Nat, over to you. Thanks, Nell. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you all again. Um, we were just discussing before whether or not I should do a long introduction to myself, and we have no idea whether you're the same audience as last time or not. Um, so I will. I'm Nathaniel Ford. I'm sales director in the UK, and I look after a number of accounts um, for Sensei. Probably most relevantly to this conversation strand, um, my job role looks at everything from first contact with a client through to scaling with a client. Um, and I gave a lengthy explanation in the last session as to why I have the right to claim to be able to discuss the truth about predictive maintenance. Um, and the logic that I sought to explore was that because people like me, um, although we're sales and commercial and not necessarily domain experts in anything, um, we are at all points of an engagement with the client. So we get a really good view of the, the things that work, the things that don't work, the things which are frustrating but necessary, the things which are frustrating but unnecessary. Um, and so I think it's of use for me and Niall to discuss some of those things um, with an audience and you may get some, some knowledge from it or some wisdom that could help in a project that you're running. The last session we did was was exciting because it was quite a broad spectrum of the truth about predictive maintenance projects. Um, and there's lots of things which I'm quite passionate about we could discuss. And today's shorter session, isn't it, um, Niall? We're kind of zooming in a little bit. Um, I think the title you've given was what do you need to see from an initial engagement measuring the true value of PDM? And I, I um, pulled the title apart a little bit and said they're two different things. Um, the logic being that an initial engagement doesn't allow you to measure the true value of predictive maintenance. That needs to happen at scale. Um, and it's unlikely that the first engagement will be right across your entire plant or environment. Um, so the question really is about what we need to see from an initial engagement. So today, I think we can just talk about some of the things that we've seen in projects, what works, what doesn't, and the logic you should apply when you're setting out a project and working out really what it is that you want to see. Is that a fair summary now? Yeah, but you should be the new host, I think, based based on that. I should take it back to you. But I mean, that's the, the sort of the point of these um, that's sessions. My first question, though, is. <laughs> exactly. No, don't ask me anything. No, but um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's the point of these sessions, to be very, you know, Let's just be very honest about predictor maintenance where we are. And like I said, I think the thing to really point out is, is our salespeople, that included, are something to emphasise is they do manage the process all the way through from the initial contact through to the, you know, delivery of the project and beyond. So yeah, a very sort of full spectrum there. So um, we've only got half an hour today, actually less now, twenty six minutes. We're keeping it short and sharp because we all know everyone's very busy out there. Um, so. Let's let's kick things off, really. So you mentioned what I think my first question will be around why why don't why aren't deployments done across the whole site? I mean, they are obviously, from, <laughs> but why why don't they? Why why is there a reluctance sometimes to do to just go for the whole plant? And well, we going? we addressed this a bit in the in the last session, so it's really about 
um, state of acceptance of predictive maintenance as a as a trustable normal um, process that you would include um, in in a number of different maintenance approaches. Um, the market is still reaching a level of maturity and understanding the value that it can bring. Uh, but necessarily in a company that hasn't been using predictive maintenance as an approach previously, um, there's a journey that needs to be gone through. And that journey requires some learning. Um, and we can talk about those learnings because they're really part of what we want to see in initial engagement. Um, but that means that, you, that there are not many instances where a company where everybody involved will feel confident just to say, here's a technology. We know the technology works. We know the outcomes we want. Let's layer it across everything. Um, there will usually be a process that starts off with um, some kind of trial. And I, I was very assertive last time about saying, do not do proof of concepts because proof of concept, by its nature is proving the concepts of the technology. You don't need to do that. It's been done. Um, but certainly there'll be an, a necessary staging as you scale. Um, so starting off with uh, um, a, I would argue, a, as wide as you can, number of assets in a wide environment, but in a way that's measurable and controlled so that you can take the learnings and quickly decide on how to scale properly and successfully. Um, so I think that's that's the reason why. Um, and so what you, you, in order to then confidently say after three months, six months, 12 months, whatever your defined period is, that you want to scale and you have the evidence that you need to justify scale, um, that really tells us or informs what it is that we want to see from an initial engagement. And I, you know, I, it does surprise me constantly that you'll engage with people who are excited about running this kind of process, but think that, that something will be revealed to them. Um, rather than setting out exactly what should be revealed to them in order for them to, to be confident to pursue it. So, you know, as a kind of naive statement, one might say, and I'm, I'm not saying this of other people, but I might naively say of a project that it, that it needs to show after that period of time that it's been implemented and that it's showing value. But of course, that's, that's about as far as ways you can get from a smart goal. So it needs to be peppered with things which are measurable, with KPIs which are um, sensible, that you have a way of measuring, um, that you can make decisions based on. So, I mean, maybe it'd be useful to think of a, to make up a, a sort of an example of a client because, you know, some people we engage with just, just want you to come and implement a solution. They want to be guided on how to use it, but they're already masters of implementation, but that's not the norm. So the norm would be a client that wants to um, work with us to define a solution, implement it, use it, and measure it. And then at that point, once they've gone through that process to be able to be masters of their own destiny, um, take what they've learned and continue those cycles. So if that is what they want to do, then the things that they want to see from an initial engagement should really be about whether or not they can understand and then go on to facilitate and do those things. Um, so that comes to my first assertion for this discussion, which is that when you're the things you want to see from an initial engagement actually shouldn't be about Sensei or another um, vendor of PDM. What you should be looking for from initial engagement is about you as a group of people, as a client, as an organization, however you want to describe yourselves, um, to look at yourselves and to measure the output of yourselves. Because that's the, the constant that's going to exist afterwards. If you buy a solution, um, it is you who will be interacting with it. 
Um, so I, we'll come on to the things that you should measure in a minute, but that's, I, I'm going to suggest that we look at it through that prism. So rather than <clears throat> scrutinizing Sensei in this example, um, scrutinize your organization and your involvement with the technology, because that's the thing that will allow you to understand whether you're going to be capable of, of working with us, working with the solution and scaling. Um, before I go on, you got any questions about that now? Yeah. I mean, but actually, first of all, but on questions, actually, I always forget to do this or quite often forget to do this, but we do have a chat function, um, in this, uh, on this platform. So if you just, if you've got any questions at any point from that or comments or, or anything like that, please just drop them in and I'll, um, I'll read those out. So yeah, that's something I always forget to mention, but important part, if there's something you really want to ask that live, um, yeah, live, live now. So I mean, what, what I wanted to, to ask on some of those points about measurement and stuff, I just wanted to wonder if we could start thinking about how, how does a Sensei, let's say a Sensei value workshop work into that and sets the scene for some of those measurements you, you talk about later. I think that's quite an interesting angle. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. So I'm just going to make a note because I want to remember there's two strands we should go down. So value workshop, um, there are other things we want to look at than just value because there's things that underpin the value that you have to be good at. Um, the value workshop is about demystifying some of this process. So rather than saying, come and, come and install a solution, and then in a period of time, we're going to try and work out if it's provided value. You start off by looking at um, the way that a, an organization operates, looking at some of the challenges they face, and then trying to establish what's the dollar value of fixing those challenges. So looking at the kind of failure modes that happen in the environment, understanding the cost or the, you know, the, the negative outcome of those failures, what happens if this occurs, um, usually calculated as a, a measure of the cost of downtime. Um, and then making some assertion about how much of the, you know, what percentage of this are we likely to fix by implementing predictive maintenance and therefore what will be that reduction in exposure. And then you can start to look at more complicated um, calculations around what happens if you reduce preventative maintenance efforts, for example, because you are more control. What happens if you um, have an increase in OEE? Um, so we can have a discussion in the workshop about all those aspects and come up with some a dollar figure for what is a likely outcome. And if you do that, that makes a very good way of structuring the things that you want to have as KPIs. So I, I made a note before the things you might look for as good KPIs. So clearly an um, unplanned downtime reduction, where you might look at that as a, an increase in, in availability. Um, you might want to talk about a reduction in labor spend. And there's different ways that the, the solution can affect that type of outcome. Um, sometimes we talk about assets measured per person. I would say, though, with those aspects, there's a slight challenge with an initial project versus a full deployment. If you're, if you're running a control trial where you're trying to learn about us and trying to learn about yourselves and trying to learn about the technology, you're unlikely to be having a big effect on OEE across the board in the way which is measurable, um, or indeed on availability or downtime. And you will be on the assets that you're measuring, but let's make an assumption that we're not yet with this fictitious client at a stage where we're being used on mass um, because it's in a controlled environment. Your impact is going to be quite low. So you want to, you want to have things which are more immediately measurable. Um, 
avoided avoided downtime on a given asset with a dollar figure to associated with it is a good one for doing that because it's immediately demonstrable. Um, those other things you should be catering for and planning for, but you really want to be looking at those as you scale and use the system um, at scale and sensibly across an environment. So that means, you know, what, so there's a missing gap here. So we're saying, well, they're, they're metrics you can use, but you wouldn't, you, they're not necessarily the best metrics for a first engagement. So what is, and I think that we look again at the, the um, individuals. So just to round off your question, you're asking about the, the value workshop. They're the things that we talk about to, to demonstrate where value can be found. We try and keep them to the things which are immediately measurable so that when those things occur within a trial period, you have a way of associating a value. So you can go back and say, this is the outcome of the work we're doing or some of the outcome of the work that we're doing. And here is some evidence that, that says that we should scale or not scale, depending on the outcome. Um, but the other things that I think that should be taken into account, and if we take a step back for a second um, and think about the way a project works, when we talked last time um, in the initial session about uh, this whole process, I was talking about the difference between the technology that we sell, so the, you know, the SaaS license for the predictive maintenance platform, um, the installation process, so all the things that happen in terms of a project for deploying, the platform itself, whether that's integrated with something that you already use or the, the pure product that we, we provide, um, the cases that arise as a result of things happening in your environment, the discussion that ensues as a result of those cases, the actions that are decided on as the outcome of those discussions, and then the actual, you know, the actual outcome, the thing you seek to do, which is change your fortunes by um, having a piece of maintenance approach that avoids, either avoids um, something negative or improves overall effectiveness. And if I was going to run a project, I'd choose to measure that very last aspect because that's the result of all these other things being good. And there's a temptation to measure some of the things at the beginning. Um, but I think also, in terms of individuals and a company and the project team are going to be involved, are going to take responsibility, it is worth having some metrics um, for those earlier stages so that you can view whether or not, you know, do you understand how it happens, how it works? Have you had the training on it? Um, have you been involved in, in selecting assets, etc.? So you could have quite a kind of complex matrix of things that you wanted to see in, in, in an initial engagement that would be indicative of, of um, later success. Um, do you want to dwell into those a little bit and just think about the, the areas yeah, that one might no, focus? Yeah. And also, as a side shoot to that, because we talked a lot about putting numbers next to certain KPI. Is there also, is it qualitative? I'm going to embarrass myself on this podcast if I don't get that right. But, you know, stuff that maybe isn't as measurable, do they factor in at all into the process? Or is it very much number driven and fact driven? It's not fact driven. That's the wrong word. Well, you want. You want it to be, you want the, the financial aspects of it to be empirical um, necessarily. Um, but absolutely, there's going to be some qualitative aspects that you can factor in, ease of use. Um, there's some things which may be qualitative that you can you can give a, um, a numerical measure to. But yeah, I think I think actually one of the, one of the key things that I'd written down is uh, that we talk about quite a lot is asking for feedback from your team all the time. You know, don't, as, as we said last time, this is not, Sensei comes in and implements a solution. You stand by and watch and clap if it works. This is very much a project that involves um, a team of people from a client side. 
constantly ask them for feedback and that doesn't have to be empirical it can be qualitative your question could be are you enjoying using the solution are you enjoying working with sensor are you happy about the outcome are you are you excited about scale um and, and it may be the things which are specific to an organization which are qualitative which we could include in a um a matrix of things that we want to look at absolutely I tend to focus on the on the the numerical stuff because um you know you can you can talk about validity yeah and these things can be subjective you want to take away the subjective nature no it's, it's tangible but actually the things we're going to talk about in terms of the yeah exactly but in terms of the the phases of running a project i think necessarily there'll be some qualitative stuff so if we i mean with a within our methodology that we apply successfully for running projects um we talk about design deploy operate which is use you know, be a client and refine um and the design phase and the deploy phase if you think about it they're not they're not a discrete thing that happens once it's an ongoing process so our clients will continuously select assets for onboarding as they continue to scale um and so whilst you might have a, a process at the beginning which has a beginning and an end the the, the nature of design and deploy is continuous um and should be something that you have a, a measure of in the project you know either if you're not using a third party or us to do it, if you're if you're going to be a client who wants to own that process which many do then you want to have a way of saying first of all can, are we capable of running the design process that could be the question are we capable of doing it yes or no um aspects like have we consumed the training have we been through that process have we run asset um, selection workshops and understood how to go through that process and how to how to run the value workshop how to um, assess which assets are are critical and which ones this process is going to work for so you could break you could take our design and deploy um, phases and break them down and look at the aspects and work out which ones are going to be important to you to feel that you're going to be in control of and include them as those line items and in, in um a balanced scorecard that you call what do we want to see from an initial engagement I think that'd be relevant to do and um, we do it in, in, in peace. I, I haven't previously myself run through those phases, but just thinking with a client, but just thinking about it as often, I think that would be um, another additional strand and way of doing it. Hmm. Um, but then the operate piece, the use piece, I think is, is key to having metrics, which are not about measuring Sensei, but are about measuring yourselves as a client. So um, there are simple things like, do people actually go into the app or go into a, an area where the app is integrated how often do they go into it or do they go into it, it at the at the scale at which we want them to which is probably once a day um do they react to the cases do they then describe what their reaction to the case was do they give feedback um and they do it in a timely manner they're all useful things to know because it doesn't matter how good we are if people aren't adopting the technology um, and you can't demonstrate that it's being adopted in a meaningful way then doesn't matter whether you scale or not so that's something that's worth having a, a, a an empirical measure of because then it's something we can address and tweak um and it gives you a good guide as a business as to whether this is something which is going to you know the, the small successes will be able to scale to to bigger successes um there's also a, another aspect around the cases so if you look historically at the way clients will what they'll expect from a project um from a, an initial engagement quite often there'll be this idea that you're waiting for this grand event 
when the technology will prove itself and then we're good to go. So um, a negative event that both happens and doesn't happen. It happens thus proving itself and doesn't happen because we alert you to it. And it's sort of Schrodinger's failure. Um, actually, what you want to see from the app is that it's raising cases which you have to go and investigate and say, yes, there was something occurring there that may have led to a negative event. Um, and that it's important that we drive that message home with clients because it's a bit of a damp squid in terms of you know, there's no big bang. You don't turn it on and have these big events which are proving the, the, your, your usage and proving the technology because um, that's counter to what we're looking for. Um, we're looking for dull. We're looking for um, alerts to things which are happening which are mildly of interest that you go and inspect um, and avert a more interesting future which has more negative impact. The reason I'm saying that's important is because you need to measure those things. And if, if you have a, a case on a Wednesday morning um, and you have a, a stand up and someone says, well, I'll, I'll go and have a look at that. And they go down and, and sure, there's a, a minor issue occurring and they fix it. It might not even get mentioned. They might say, oh yeah, it was just a dot, dot, dot. But actually that's really important information um, that you need to be gathering and consolidating because that is the true measure of um, everything that we said before. That's a true measure of the technology being deployed properly. It's raising cases which are relevant. Um, it's alerting in a way that individuals react to. The individual, this is measuring you now, the individual is reading it, um, having a discussion, making a, a wise decision, going and checking it. That's the action and the outcome is something's avoided. So that's the whole story of, of Sensei and predictive maintenance. Um, it's just not very sexy. <laughs> so you, you need to make sure that you are, are taking that, those nuggets um, and making note of them and allowing yourself to capture them. I mean, we, we do it fastidiously where we get the chance to capture them in, in some format that could be communicated because that's how you then communicate the value. Well, first of all, understand the value and then communicate it. Absolutely. Um, so that would be one answer to, you know, what do you want to see from an initial engagement? The consolidation of boring events, um, which ultimately lead to all those other things we discussed. Yeah, I wanted wanted to add in there actually about um, we've talked a lot about what how to identify value um, from a Sensei perspective. But I'm just wondering because there'll be plenty of um, I'm sure uh, people you speak to Nat who have already been through let's say a failed PDM pilot maybe with another vendor. I mean, how do those learnings sort of feed into the you know when when you really look at doing it from a Sensei perspective? I guess. Uh, candidly, the majority of projects we speak to where they haven't worked have been down to um, the, the kind of the first shield, which is people using the product, which makes it difficult to then unpick what's behind that. Um, and whether it's just that the cases were irrelevant or um, this is not, I, I, I say this, I risk exposing myself by saying it. But, um, we don't, we don't have an issue with false positives with predictive maintenance the way that are the way that we approach the world but if you know if you have a system which just looks for failures a particular type of failure and says this type of failure is coming and it's not then you can arguably say there's a, a false positive potential um and if you have too many false positives it can put people off from using a product um they're, they're the sorts of things that happen so user adoption um, the reason I the reason I worry about mentioning that is people then assume that there might be something that happens with us. It, it, because because of the way the sensor works, we don't 
specifically start off by looking for known failures. We start off by trying to understand what the world looks like and understand what's normal. And then we look for deviance within what is normal. So we're in this 20 source seven view of deviation from normal. And then as we grow in an environment, we can learn about specific failures, but we don't obsess about particular failures because they're only a subset of what actually happens out in an environment. Um, but as a result of that, when we raise a case, what we're saying is something has differed, changed, and we believe that it's significant enough to um, to be looked at. So it's, I would argue there's no such thing as a false positive in our in our environment. But anyway, I'm going to have done that right as well. Um, the type of the, the majority of the time, the answer to your question is the vast majority of the time projects have failed previously because they were fraught with complication in terms of implementation and then not used. So they're the things that, that one has to, to avoid. And actually, you know, so if you were going to, if you wanted to build your metrics on what you want to see from initial deployment, just on those, then it should be, you know, how was it easy to implement? And maybe that could be your qualitative piece. Was it easy to implement on a scale of one to 10? Um, and did, did it get used? I would argue you need a lot more further down the line in terms of what was the outcome of that usage, but they would be they would be good good metrics. But that goes back to the point of keep asking the team, keep asking them, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah, yeah. Keep keep those checkpoints um, in place throughout. Um, what what, yeah. what I was what I was actually going to ask is as we we're already very close to the end. Like I said, it's a very short session this time. We're trying to keep it very concise. But what what I wanted to know is once you get to the say the end of a a pilot sort of stage or initial let's go initial engagement stage what are the signs that we're looking for in terms of right we're ready to scale this we're ready to go um um i this isn't necessarily a metric that a company would would use but for me as a voyeur in these situations i know that a project has succeeded in its attempt to achieve that that first block of things and is going to scale if when I check in with the team who are running the project on our side, um, when they go to case reviews, which happen on a weekly basis, the onus and control has shifted from us to the client. So if you have a situation, so just, just to explain what that means, when, when we first have this system in place, um, we will check in with a client, roughly speaking on a weekly basis and spend half an hour, an hour, depending on size of the install, looking at cases that have come up in the week. And we do that because um, regardless of how easy our system is to use, you still want to give people a comfort blanket of knowing that they are doing the right thing and using it in the right way. So those sessions start off probably with somebody who's on my side of the table, um, guiding the session and talking through the cases that come up, asking the kind of questions we think are the right questions to ask. You know, Can you rule this case out because of a number of other things that might have happened? Um, Okay, and then conclude that it's a case that needs investigation and then work out what that, that investigation should be. And a project that goes well, where you've got a good engaged client, where the system has been installed well, where the data is the right data and it's providing results which are actionable, um, you will find very quickly you get to a stage where the client is having the discussion in front of you about those cases and then probably doesn't need you there anymore after that. And maybe we'll check in periodically or ask you to come to certain sessions if there's something something that's happening that they haven't seen before or they just want a bit of extra input on. Um, we could probably be better at stepping away from those situations. But the thing about the project team is they 
if you're involved in the project and install, it's exciting. You want to see those cases and, and success and win. Uh, but yeah, for me, that would be a, that, that process of, um, that would be a good, a good metric. If you get to the end of six months and your elected team members are looking at the cases and making decisions based on them, then you are in orbit and you have success. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a perfect. I like, I like describing that in orbit. I'll use that again. In orbit. Yeah. Write that one down. No, um, no, that's a, that's a really good way to, um, to round that off actually as well. I think. Yeah, and and it's the fact that you mentioned there that it's actually the rest of the team, like say the Sentai team, get excited by this as well, you know, because they they've been there from the initial, you know, at the start of the project, and they want to see the, the results at the end. So I think that that's very true as well. But um, but yeah, so I think we've we've come to the end. It was a very short, sharp, and um, to the point session. And that's what we're going to continue doing moving forwards as well. Um, hope you got a lot out of it. Um, yeah, we packed in a lot, I think, in such a short time. So thank you to Nat again for his insights. We'll be back again cool. hopefully in the, in the new year um, for some more. So, yeah, besides that, any final thoughts, Nat? Well, we've got a minute and 30 seconds to go. I think only, only the, 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 what you really need to do is have some things that you have concluded are worth measuring, um, have some measurable KPIs in place. Um, that's, you know, it's a binary thing. Do have them rather than not having them. And then you can finesse thereafter. Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for attending who attended live today. Thanks again to that. And yeah, see you all again very soon.